Let's go. Okay. Well, hey, welcome y'all to Sales Intersection Season 2, Episode 4. I'm over the top excited today to have a legendary woman that has more followers than certain religions, uh, who Forbes named number one entrepreneur and small business expert to follow on Twitter, the small biz lady, author of Become Your Own Boss in 12 Months, which I just ordered today, by the way. Um, I could go on and on. My guest today is Melinda Emerson. Melinda, thank you so much for being here. It's a, it's a true honor to have you. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. That's great. Yeah. Um, so, so to start, and I realize you've been asked this in a different way thousands of times, but what, what is your story? I, I know what your LinkedIn profile says about me, uh, Forbes profile about me, Wikipedia, but what, what would, what would you say to somewhat succinctly your story leading up to your massive success where you are today? Well, um, oh gosh, I was born in the basement of a steel mill. No, I'm kidding. Um, so <laughs> I, I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So like, if you know anything about Pittsburgh, like that was like a joke because there aren't any steel mills really in Pittsburgh anymore. But um, so yeah, I went to college to be a journalist, wanted to be a writer since I was in eighth grade. Uh, went to Virginia Tech undergrad, got out, got my dream job, my second job in the business at 23 years old, I got my dream job. But you know, the funny thing about dream jobs is you got to be careful what you wish for, because you just might get it. So in my case, I got my dream job as a, a te you know, television news producer in top five market. I was making like, you know, more money than my dad when I was like 23. And oh, wow. I hated it. Like I worked with really mean, arrogant people. And I was like, I got to get out of here. I'm going to start acting like these people or I'm going to be the big story on action news. When I put my hands on one of these people, I got to get out of here. <laughs> so literally I, um, I started a business in the basement of my house like 22 years ago. Wow. And, uh, you know, my first business was a video production company. Of course, what would a video producer do but start a video production company? But, you know, as the years went on and as the technology changed, you know, we kind of morphed into doing websites and videos. And then about 2006, 2007, I really started reading trade journals and stuff. And everyone was saying that like social media was going to be the next big thing. And I was like, hmm, I wonder if I need to learn that and like become a black belt in that. And it just so happened that um, at the time we were very heavily niched in the pharmaceutical and healthcare industry and like bad stuff started happening in that industry, right? You know, so first we had the Vioxx lawsuit with Merck. That was like our biggest customer. You know, like it was like all this stuff started happening. My biggest customer in another company retired, like all this stuff. And I was like, I gotta figure out something else to do, you know? So what I realized back then. I mean, I was really young when I started my first company. I was like 26 years old. So I learned a lot of stuff. Now, 30? <laughs> wait, wait, I am 18 with 30 years experience. That's what I am. So, um, so I ended up like learning everything about business the hardest way possible. I, I didn't have a business degree. I mean, when I was in college, you didn't even have to know Excel or like Word. Like, you know, we, we knew Word, but like all the other PowerPoint and Excel and the formulas in Excel, I didn't know that stuff. I was a communications major, right? So I learned everything about business 
from reading, from taking courses, from mentors and watching other entrepreneurs. And I realized when I got about seven years in, I was like, you know, I would have run my business better if I had had better advice. And I realized at that time, I was like kind of looking around in main stage media, trying to figure out, well, who's giving, who's giving the small business advice? You know, the only people I saw literally were Susie Orman was talking about 401ks and stuff. And Jean Chasky was on the Today Show talking about business and finance, but she was really talking about it from personal finance, you know? And I was like, there was nobody giving people small business. There was nobody saying, hey, if you want to hit it big, I got the formula for that. You know, there were books, but there wasn't anybody in mainstream media. And because I came from the media, I was like, hmm, could I be the person giving the advice? Because at that point, there was some stuff I knew. And I said, you know, I need to share these hard learned lessons so that other people don't have to learn them like the most expensive way, like I did. And that's what put me on my odyssey to becoming the small biz lady, building a brand that reaches 3 million entrepreneurs each week online. Um, I've written three books and, you know, like all this stuff happened. And interestingly enough, my advocation as the small biz lady drew me back into the media. And so how I built my business was I built my blog, succeedisyourownboss.com. And because I have a journalism background and because I, you know, my magical power is writing, you know, my blog was really good. It was well-received. And the, you know, the first call came from entrepreneur. Hey, we've been reading your blog for a year. Wonder if you would write for us. Sure. You know, and what was great about them back in the day, I mean, Entrepreneur was like one of the biggest small business websites out there. I mean, they kind of still are, but back then they were one of the first brands to really get it online with, with web content. And so whenever I would write an article for them that they liked, they put it on the homepage, right? Back then they were getting like 6 million hits a month, you know? So it was like, yes, you know, so they really helped put me on the map. And so I wrote for them for a couple of years and then the New York Times called me and said, listen, uh, we don't have anybody of color like writing about business. And the New York Times, like, we're wondering if you would be interested in writing a column for the You're the Boss blog of the New York Times. And I was like, let me think about it for half a second. Um, yes. It's hard to get a little bit. Right, right. And so I wrote for them for about two, two and a half years. Um, and, and those things coupled with what I was already doing in my own business, you know, not only was I publishing to my blog, succeedisyourownboss.com three times a week, but I also was hosting a live tweet chat on Twitter once a week, every Wednesday night, eight to 9 PM Eastern. And literally for 10 and a half years, I hosted five, running chat, right? Is that right? Yeah. Longest running tweet chat. Um, you know, and I was, and I was an OG, right? So like, I think when I got started with small biz chat, there were like four chats on Twitter. Like, like that's how early it was. And it gave me, you know, I kind of like became the Oprah of Twitter, right? So it was like, there was nobody in small business who I couldn't call, who hadn't come on my show. I mean, we had Michael Gerber, we had Robert Kiyosaki and Guy Kawasaki, right? All of them, like everybody. And then it got to the point where people were stalking me to get on Small Biz Chat. You know, so it was like, at first we were like begging people and then it became like, oh, well, I got a book coming out. I better call Melinda, you know? So um, that really put me on the map and certainly the other media that I've had the opportunity to do. And then, 
you know, as my book, Become Your Own Boss in 12 Months came out, uh, and it came out in March of 2010, um, it was a big success and it got a lot of press and, and a lot of people gave me like major kudos. Um, you know, Black Enterprise said that I wrote the best startup book they ever read, right? Which, which is a review that just brought me to tears yeah. because- Honestly, you know, when you write a book, like that is the loneliest thing you can do in your life. And so you turn it in, you hope people like it, you know, you don't get crucified by people over calling you a fraud or whatever. But in my case, people really were like, wow, this is a great book. Um, and that just gave me so much life because at the end of the day, of all the jobs I have, I still consider myself a writer, you know, and so to have the opportunity now to be a teacher, like not just a writer, but a teacher. I realized after all these years of writing actionable content on my blog, uh, I'm a teacher, right? And, and then um, my book, Become Your Own Boss in 12 Months, it's still in print. I mean, it's been printed in multiple languages around the world. And we're actually about to drop the third edition um, in September. Um, colleges use it to teach entrepreneurship around the country, you know? So it became like, it kind of took on its own life um, and it has helped so many people. And so like, like that, that gives me life um, that my work helps people live their dream life as an entrepreneur. And the thing that I think is so crazy about entrepreneurship is everybody's excited about their idea, right? Everybody's excited about their widget or their service, but nobody knows how to run a business. Like the business of running a business is hard. There are yep. 10 to 12 jobs people take on oh. at one time, any of which on any given day can clothesline you right? And some of them, you don't even know that you don't know until some bad letter comes in the mail. You're like, oh, why is the IRS contacting me? You know, so, so, it, so it's one of those things where I'm out here like, hey, guys, I'm trying to protect you from the next, you know, boomerang thing that's out here that can mess you up. Um, and that's kind of, you know, I kind of consider myself, you know, the queen of the 95 percenters, you know, 95 percent of all small businesses worldwide will never gross a million in revenue. And I know everybody like focuses on that 1 million revenue as like the, you know, what, what, what success is. Um, but that is really unfortunate because it's not really true. Um, there's lots of great businesses in your neighborhood that make half a million a year and they're doing well. And, or the dentist in your neighborhood is making 650,000 a year. That person's doing very well. So again, I think it's all relative and we have to teach people about their numbers so that they can be more empowered about whether or not what they're doing is worth it. Yeah. You know, I, I, I've been listening to a lot of your, your podcasts and you recently had a guest that was talking about selling your business. Um, this, this may have been a recent one, may have been uh, uh, dated, but, and the guy said, you know, I'm going to end up selling my business and I'm going to have a, a, a yacht, living on a yacht or a sailboat or something like that. A yacht, I think it was. Right. And then he, he ended up selling it for way less than the guy thought he could have, but he said, yeah, but look, I'm living on a yacht, you know? So to your point, I mean, that's success. I mean, you know, uh, I think there's a, there's a money component, right. To having your own business, but there's sure. a, there's a life, there's a, there's a, there's something you can't put a price on component. Right. And I, and that's actually the first thing that I teach people. Like, you know, whenever somebody calls me and tells me, Oh, I want to be like you girl, I want to keep my job today. I want to start a business. I'm like, Whoa, hold on, hold on. 
you know, tell me why, like, tell me <laughs> what's going on. Because most of my comment is like, girl, you love Prada. You can't quit your job. What are you talking about? Right. Yeah. You, you love Louis Vuitton. You, you can't, you know, <laughs> you can't quit your job. You have fantastic taste. Right. So, um, but sometimes it's people have a real passion. They want to serve you know, the community with, with some innovation, sometimes they just have a jerk of a boss and they just need to get another job, you know? So that's why I make people figure out their life plan first. Yeah. And then let's develop a business that's going to help you live that life. That's yeah. what I always tell people. Just so you know, this is sales intersection. So it's the meaning is the intersection of money and meaning because I wanted to do something that was my own that where I could, where I could find more meaning and impact in sales, you know, in sales, it's like you hit quota, you're a good person. You, you don't hit quota, you're a bad person. You, know, you go home, you feel like just the worst. And you, you, you're probably a really good person, you know, and you know, I'm, I've met some of the most colorful personalities ever in sales. And it's Oh like, yeah. Cause those are the people that are drawn to sales. And those are the people, by the way, that are good at sales people with, yeah. with great personalities that can strike up a conversation and, you know, become fast friends with anyone. Those are the ideal people, you Which know, is ironic, right? It's like the, the, the track, the color, most colorful, but be graded on the most black and white. Right. right. And, uh, oh, yeah. So I'm, I, that's what this is all about. And, um, I, and I started my own, but this, this is a podcast, but this is my, uh, my parent, the company I started with sales is evolving. So it's for me, it wasn't about being in that 5%, you know, um, I think you get there not wanting to be in the 5%, right. You want, because you, you, you really are passionate about what you're doing, but, um, anyway, what, um, I want to first. I want to give a shout out to my my girl Jennifer Covington over the bridge in Oakland, who who is a life coach uh, for women, um, largely uh, 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 African American women. Um, she would have loved to be here today, being the host, and not me. And she probably would be more qualified because she's 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 kind of doing. She's a mini you. She wants to be where you are. But um, anyway, she she uh, I can, she's one of the person people I, I consulted with. And I wanted to give her a shout out. Uh, that's my kind of mini sponsor plug for the day. Um, let me ask you this, Melinda. Um, now, you, I mean, mo most of my guests I ask, you know, what, I know you didn't want to be, if, if I asked you at 10 years old, what, what do you want to do when you grow up? You, you probably wouldn't say, I'm going to be in sales. You know, um, it's something completely different than they're doing today. However, you, it sounds like you pretty much doing what, I mean, more or less what you wanted to do since day one, you know? You know, and, and I love to tell that story, right? Because every kid in school hates to write something, right? Every kid's like, oh, I got to write this paper. Oh, I got to write this book report. And I'm like, dude, writing is cool. Like writing gives you power. Everything right. you see on TV, somebody wrote that, you know? And I always, it's always funny to me when I meet young people, they're like, well, I want to be a broadcaster. I don't want to be a journalist. And I'm like, huh? I don't understand that. So for <laughs> me, for me, um, you know, writing is a gift, you know, the, like my pen is my sword, you know, so I, I love communicating and sharing, but what I realized is what I really loved is teaching. And so two years ago, I decided to go back to graduate school and get my MBA. So I so that I could teach on a college level. I mean, I've always taught, right? I've taught millions of people online. You know, I've got all these people who've gone through my courses and stuff, but I wanted to teach 
where they teach. You know, I wanted to be um, a, a college professor and, and I'm really excited that I am one. I'm an adjunct faculty at Babson and the number one entrepreneurship school in America. And I, my alma mater is also tapped me, my Drexel University. I am an adjunct professor there developing courseware for them. So, um, you know, my dream happened in the middle of COVID, believe it or not, you know, like yeah. I would have never thought it, but all of a sudden people wanted people to be taught about entrepreneurship. So I'm like, hey, I'm your girl for that. So yeah, yeah. So that's how that happened. So. I want to talk about kind of the um, I, th there's a lot of people probably in the cubicle, right? And thinking about, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm unhappy. Should I do, should I switch jobs? Is, is it my boss? Should I do my own business? I want to talk about the tolerance threshold that people mm -hmm. have and how you can use that as a gauge. I mean, I mean, what, you know, what is just natural for Melinda Emerson that I, I can never have, you can't teach, and maybe I shouldn't venture out there just because I, I want to. Um, I mean, what, what, what would you say when you sit there in your cubicle, you're, it's, it's four o'clock on Monday, and you're like, I, I can't do this anymore. What, what should you be, should be going over? What list of questions or, or how, how should you be able to assess whether it's, it's right for you to, to go into business or maybe you should just get a new job? Well, you know, interestingly enough, I developed a product for this very thing like 10 years ago. Um, I have a life planning journal that whenever somebody calls me feeling like that, I'm like, whoa, okay, let's do an assessment. Like you need to take, spend some quality time with yourself and figure out what you like, how you live and then how you want to live, you know? What do you need to learn? You know, part of the reason why I went back to graduate school was because of a conversation I had with my mom. And my mom said to me, hey, Melinda, you know what? In five years, your son is going to leave and go to college. She said, who are you going to be when that happens? What are you going to be doing? Where do you want to live? Like, I, she said to me, I don't want you to fall apart when your son goes to college. And I was like, well, I have a full life. I've got stuff I do. She said, ah, yeah, but Jojo is your whole life. <laughs> like Jojo is your heart. Yeah. And he's like in eighth grade, like you got to figure it out. What, what, you know, what are you going to do in five years? And that was part of what made me stop. And I did an assessment of like mm -hmm. what my goals were, you know, sort of like my big head goals and my smaller goals. And I realized that I had accomplished almost all of the stuff that I wanted to do. And I was like, okay, well, I got to get some new goals. Right. You know, so literally that's what led me to, oh, you know what I want to do? Like if I wasn't the small business lady, what would I do? I'd be a business school professor. That's what mm -hmm. I would do. And I said, you know what? And then of course I went to talk to the people and they were like, you don't have a master's degree. Your undergraduate degree is in journalism. <laughs> Madam, you cannot teach here. I mean, it was like they used my book to teach entrepreneurship and told me I was not qualified to teach there. Think about that for one second, right? And so I was just like, I mean, the community colleges wouldn't take me. I mean, seriously, like I was like, they were like persona non grata. Like you, you do not have right. a terminal degree. You're playing your song in the club, but they won't let you in the club. <laughs> yeah, like they were like, you do not have a terminal degree, madam. You will not teach anybody here. And it was just like, what really and then i was just like 
oh my God, I haven't been in a school in 25 years. Am I really going to apply to graduate school? Because like, I still had these flashbacks of like that D I got in quantitative methods in undergrad. Like I still was like having hives over that. Like, oh, you, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so I was just like, am I really going to do this? Can I do this? I was afraid. Like it was something I wanted to do, you know, 10, 15 years ago, but I was like, I'm busy. I'm making money out. I don't want to do it. And now I was like, I got to do it because I can't go to where I want to go without it. Yeah. So I had to push through my fear, but I had to first take the time. I mean, I think so many of us get up every day and we're in a race, whatever that race is. I got to get the kids here. I got to get here. I got to get on this call by this time. And we don't get up and say, what do I want my day to be like today? You know what? My day is going to be great. My day is going to be great because I'm going to take the time to meditate and pray and think on how effective I'm going to be today. And if all of us did that, as opposed to operating in reaction mode or getting up screaming for kids to get up or what, you know, whatever else is going on, you know, it's like, what would happen if we all got more intentional about our day as opposed to reactionary to our day? And I think we have to do that with our own lives and our own careers. Like, here's the awesome thing. You're one idea from being able to do anything you want. That's a, that's but, a great line, but, of the, line of the podcast right there. Oh yeah, but you, but you will, you know, it's almost like that line from fame, right? You want fame, well, fame costs, <laughs> right? <laughs> and this is where you start paying, darling. Like yeah. there are no overnight successes. Most small business owners cannot pay themselves a regular salary until they are in their third or fourth year in business. Like there is some upfront hazing involved in starting a small business. But if you can just make it, if you can make it past two years, and then if you can make it past five years, five years is actually the magical number. Most businesses die by year five. So if you can make it past five years, then baby, you got some. You got some after five. You got some. You got some customers. You got yeah. some people that love you. You, got, you, you, got you, have you have figured some stuff out if you can make it to yeah. five. Is, but it, a lot is, of people, yeah, is there a five-year club? Is there like a <laughs> I don't know. I might want to call it that, but <laughs> um, but no, but really seriously, like by it takes three good years. I mean, really, honestly, you don't even really start breaking even until like 20, 18 to 24 months. Break yeah. even is not replacing your corporate salary, right? So so then you got to figure out, okay, are my price is my pricing right? What are my profit margins? Am I growing? And there's some stuff I need to start selling. Is there some stuff I need to stop selling, right? You know, there's all this stuff you got to figure out and then you on your way, on your way, on your way. And then along the way, you can get a big hit. You can get featured on Oprah's favorite things list or you can get a huge government contract or something great can happen to you. And then you got to hire people, right? But then what people forget, they get a big contract and then they stop marketing. They don't start marketing until a month before that, that contract's about to end. That's too yeah. late. So, I mean, based on what you're saying, because, you know, the break even mark comes, you know, 20, 24 months down the line or if you're lucky, if you're lucky. Yeah. Um, so yeah. what you're saying is one of the things that you, you should consider in, in, you know, crying in your cubicle on that Monday afternoon, right, is uh, <laughs> do I have a, a, a little bit of capital? Do I have enough, 
enough cash to, to sustain myself, right? Oh, so. yeah. Oh, yeah. Because the first thing you're going to have to do is cure yourself to your addiction to your paycheck, right? Yeah. That's what you're going to have to do. And how you do that is by, I believe that there should be like a 12 to 18 month belt tightening, like kind of thing that goes on before you even launch this business. So you need to, if you are a single person, you should save 30 to 40% of every check. And I mean, every check. Yeah. And then if you get a bonus bank it, like you, you can't, you got to get out of these, this spending the way you spent, you've got to curtail your lifestyle. Now, if you are married, you are fortunate because one of the things I want you to do is figure out how you can start living on one salary. Mm -hmm. Bank one, live on one bank one, live on one, mm -hmm. because that will get you set up for how you're going to have to recoil to, to have the money to launch this business. And the reason why is because here's the secret, Eric, banks don't loan money to start a business. Banks won't loan you money until you are worthy, right? So you're talking about, you gotta be two years in business. You gotta be positive cash flow. You gotta have like never bounce a check to them. I mean, you, you really, you can't borrow money until you look like you kind of don't need it. Yeah, yeah. So let's say that you're, you are in that boat though. You don't have the money, but you do want to start your business. You would advise, okay, well then keep, you got to obviously keep work. You got to put food oh, yeah. on the table, keep working. But even if way. you're ready to start your business, keep your job. Because I believe that when people, how I teach people to start businesses is this way. The first thing you got to do is develop your life plan. The second thing you got to do is figure out how you're going to pay for this new business you want to start what savings you have, what 401k, whatever. Like, what do you have to put on the table to start this business? The third thing you've got to figure out is what skills do you have and versus what skills you need to start this particular business. And then the fourth thing you got to do is figure out who your paying customer is. People do business with people who specialize in solving their problem. So yeah. who is your customer? Is everybody can use your product or service? No one will. So you got to get real specific about who you're chasing. And yeah. then you need a plan. Every small business needs a plan. You got to develop a business plan. Does it need to be 40 pages? No. Do you need 10 strong pages that say like how your business is actually going to operate? Yes. And then you need to launch while working. I believe in the side hustle. Don't I don't believe in nobody quitting no job to start a business. Unless you're starting a business that is a direct competitor to where you work every day, there is no reason for you to quit your job to start a business. I don't even believe it. I don't even tell people to do that. Well, you, I mean, I've heard it. You know, if you, if you go in, you got to go 100%. None of this 50-50 stuff. But those are, you know, trust oh, that's stuff spoken from people who, who just like reading headlines, like those things, you know, ah, that's stupid. No, yeah, you, yeah. you need to start as a side hustle because you got to learn your business. It's not like the day you jump out there and put your shingle out and say you're open for business that you're actually ready. You're going to learn some stuff. You don't yeah. even know if your pricing's right. You don't know if people really, really going to pay that. Like there's some stuff you got to learn and oh, you yeah. want to learn on somebody else's dime. You don't want to learn when you didn't cut your health insurance off and now you got kids and stuff. I mean, the, the average small business owner in America is 49 years old. So right? everyone thinks it's these little kids that want to start these fintech companies. Uh, no, it's seasoned people. It's people who have 20, 25 years experience who are out here starting businesses. And rightfully so, because who wants to buy from somebody who got no experience solving their problem? I don't. So, you know, seasoned people are doing it, but you have to be smart.
You have to be strategic. You got to build up your network. You got to make sure, I mean, because your network is your net worth when you start out in business. Yeah. So you got to make sure if you haven't talked to your college classmates since the last reunion four years ago, don't start calling them up the minute you open your business talking about, hey, I got an opportunity for you. What? Are you kidding me? No, you have to warm your network up. You're in sales. You know how this works. It's like, what are you selling? Now you're selling you. You're not selling whatever it is. You got to sell you. The thing is, is that people do business with people that they like, know, and trust all day, every day. And that's true online, in person, whatever it is. So you got to start networking. Like if you have an internally facing job, you're inside sales or something like that. Ah, uh-uh, you got to get out. You got to burn some shoe leather. You got to go to some events when we're allowed to go to events again. You know, you you have to make sure people know you, and so people can think of you and keep you top of mind. And then you got to get into that habit. Of, I mean, certainly, if you're somebody in sales and you're starting a business, you got a leg up on most people, right? Because most people struggle is marketing and sales. So if you already know how to sell, that's half the battle. Yeah. But you still have to make sure that what you're selling is is tight, that you actually have a value proposition, that you actually have something about your business that is not going to be easily duplicatable by your competition. That's what a value proposition is. A lot of people don't know that. They out here with me too businesses that aren't special at all. That you, you know, you, you, if you don't have a special business, you're going to get in a pricing war. And the race to the bottom is a race no one wins. So you got to make sure that what you're selling is unique. Yeah. It's special. And you your customer experience can make it special. Look at Zappos. They sell shoes on the internet, but their customer service was so awesome yeah. that they became the place everybody wanted to buy shoes. You gotta from. find a nuance because because there's you know, there's people that, that they don't they've never had the opportunity to be introduced to, you know, the the 101 classes, the 202s of, of social media, and they they want to open a hair salon, you know. Right. So what's What's different about that? You know, so it could be maybe the customer, customer experience. Customer How experience. easy yeah. is it to get an appointment? How responsive are you? Do they play wonderful music and serve champagne when you walk in? I don't know. But yeah. the point yeah. is, is yeah. that people remember how you make them feel yeah. all day, every day. And they tell other people about it. So we are in a customer centric world. We are in a mobile first customer centric world. Customers yeah. have the customers are in the driver's seat. They got all the options and they got the options right here. They don't have to go far. They can, in your face, look up a competitor's price. Yeah. So you have to make them feel like they want to do business with you. Yeah. That's well, really what it's about. Heard the saying, you know, your best uh, sales people aren't, aren't on your uh, payroll. They're, they're your, your customers. Absolutely. Yeah. Your unpaid sales force. I'm all about getting an unpaid sales force. Yeah, getting right. people that love you saying, you know, give me an S, give me a B, give me an L. <laughs> like, yes, I love people like that. You know, that's what you need. You need rabid fans. You need yeah. fans. You need friends. You need followers. You need people that love your stuff. That's what you need. So let me let me switch gear. I could I could go down that 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 path for a long time, but in the interest of time, um, you you've got a, a list of accolades. You know, you, I mean, I don't, I don't have to mention any of them. You, you know uh, how how many you have, but what 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 are you most proud of that you've achieved? Wow, that's a hard one. Um, nice. Something. You know what? I I mean. 
what is the thing that I'm proud of? I mean, I, of course, I will tell you I'm, I'm proudest of the job mom, right? I'm proudest yeah. that I have an amazing 15-year-old son. Um, I think in terms of my business, the thing I'm most proud of actually is my book, Become Your Own Boss in 12 Months, because okay. I wrote that book when I wasn't confident when I wrote that book the first time, you know, I knew I was on to something, but I wasn't completely convinced. Right. But I said, I'm going to put my manifesto out there and hopefully people don't crush me for it. And not only did I not get crushed for it, I got lauded for it. And it has created so many other opportunities for me. And the fact that my business book is still in print 11 years later in multiple languages around the world is something that I mean, it just makes my heart glad. When I get a letter from somebody in Brazil and I have to hit Google Translate on it to read. <laughs> like, you know, and they're like, oh my God, I read your book and it helped me so much. And now I'm doing this and this and this with my business and I'm, I'm your biggest fan. And I hope you come to Rio what time to do a book signing. I'm like, <laughs> you're not threatening me with a good time. I will be there. But, you know, the point is, is that that still, like people don't realize that I print those letters. I keep them, I keep them in a drawer because let me tell you something. There are days, believe it or not, when I don't feel like being your small business lady, I don't. I'd be like, you know what? I could just uh, go work at one of these colleges and just, you know, I could just go do that, you know what I mean? And I'm like, and then sometimes I got, I got to have to, I have to open my file up. I have to take those, I have to take those cards, letters and emails out and I have to reread them because yeah. sometimes you have to remember who you are. Mm -hmm. And you have to remember what your gifting is. Like uh, my gift is the, to be the small biz lady. And it's a gift to me as much as it is to the people that read my stuff and grow their businesses with it. I mean, it's a privilege. You know, sometimes somebody asks me, you know, if I'm in a book signing and there's a big long line of people, you know, don't you get tired of signing books? No, <laughs> she don't. I, I will take a picture with every single person. I'll sign every book because it's a privilege to be able to do that. I yeah, don't, I, absolutely. I got an extra Sharpie in my purse. Don't ask me. <laughs> I will sign it. You know, but I just think sometimes people want to act like they're burdened by being something, somebody people want to talk to. And I just think that's ridiculous. <laughs> it's like, what do you mean? Like, it's a privilege if you want to talk to me. So. I'm still waiting for, for someone to ask me for, the, for my first autograph. Uh, so. Oh, it's going to happen. I'll, let you, I'll happen. let you know. Linda. Um. So let me, just a couple more questions. Uh, I want to be, again, sensitive time. And usually on average, people cut off around 20 minutes anyways after on a podcast, but except for my mom. Um, but what's a big obstacle that comes to mind in your career that you're, you're proud that you over, overcame? Or maybe, maybe you, you're, you're about to give up, you know, or you, you, uh, you questioned your path or, or maybe you didn't question it, but you know, something was hindering your, you know, is, is there something that comes to mind that was, uh, so, you know, that, that, that was kind of a game changer for you that you overcame it and you, then you're, you felt almost impervious to, to these obstacles, anything like that or. You know, I mean, there's, <laughs> look, there's so many, anything like yeah. that. I've got like a list as long of like screw ups, but you know, um, there was a time when I had a customer, you know, that wanted me to do something that I simply didn't believe in. 
I mean, and they were offering me just an absolute goo gob of money. And I was like, yeah, but I don't like how you treat small business customers. Mm. So I'm not, you know, going to do this project. And I remember I got this scathing letter from this vice president at this company saying, you will never get another opportunity to do business with our company. I mean, like, when, you know, they were so furious that they, when they heard that I refused to do this project and I was honest, I said, I don't want to do this. And let me tell you why I don't want to do it. And this person, you know, sent this just, just, just vicious email to me. And I, and I, and I was like, well, you know, you know, can they do that? Like, what is that really true? And it's funny because like about three or four years ago, that company circled back around trying to get me to do something. I had to laugh. <laughs> I said, I guess that person doesn't work there anymore, you know, but. No good that day. But I, but I, but I was afraid for a minute. Like, I was just like, oh my God, you know, maybe they know other people. Are they going to go out and talk bad about me and say, you know, don't work with the small biz lady. And, and I, and, and, but you know, you have to, there's no paper tigers out here you know you kind of got to be like listen i am not for everybody and there are plenty of other companies out here that that love me to death so i'm not gonna you know the fact that i don't want to work with that company and they threatened me in writing (laughs) you know um definitely made me be like okay you you have to stand for something yeah your fall for anything and and the one thing that i treasure is that my audience like the people that follow me and listen to me they trust me so Mm -hmm. if i recommend a product or service or i highlight something in my newsletter like they know that's legit they know there is no product that i would ever promote rave about anything that i didn't use or wouldn't use and so i think that i you know that was a real I mean, I needed that money. Trust me. Like, it wasn't like I was like rolling so much that I could just tell these people to take their six figure offer and kick rocks. But at the same time, I was just like, I'm not feeling these people. So I don't want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that probably contributed to your, the integrity of your brand and, you know, the trust that you, the following you have. Um, so a couple more questions. Um, what, um, on those days when you don't feel like being a small biz lady, you don't want to get out of bed and be, you know, be on Eric Jones's podcast and, and talk about, you know, whatever. Um, what, what, where do you find strength? Where do you, uh, what picks you up and, and, and just, you know, keeps you, keeps you going? Uh, well, you know, certainly um, my trust and faith in the Lord is always something that strengthens me. And whenever I get down, you know, I, the Lord will get somebody to call me and remind me why I do what I do. And certainly my son, you know, telling me he's hungry, like that'll always make me get up. But, um, I think for me, just, just knowing that I'm a resource for people. And, and the other thing too, is I feel so fortunate. Like I actually live my dream. Like I don't have an aspiration to go do anything else other than what I'm doing. And I actually think it's pretty cool that I figured out my calling, like my occupation is actually my advocation and I love doing it. So for me, I'm just grateful, Um, you know, and, and, but when you say grateful, you don't have too many days when you're like, Oh, well, it's me. I mean, we all have days when we're blue. Right. But I think that by and large, 
um, I'm grateful to have the opportunity to do the things that I do. Um, and um, taking a different path here, you're, you're obviously kind of queen of the mountain. So you're the mentor of probably many, but do you have any mentors? Who would you say oh, is yeah. your mentor? Well, I have mentors. I have mastermind buddies, you know. Okay. Um, Not one that sticks out? Well, you know what? Um, uh, Gene Chatsky is a good friend um, and mentor of mine. Um, I have another woman by the name of uh, Sharon Rollins, who's a CEO of web.com. She's somebody who has been in my life a lot of years, and she's a great mentor. And, you know, one of my first corporate clients um, was Pitney Bowes. And um, the former CEO of Pitney Bowes, Michael Critelli, is a good friend um, and mentor. And he actually wrote the foreword of my book way back in, you know, 2008 when I first wrote it. Um, and he's always kept in touch and, you know, anything I ever need, uh, he's been there for me. So those are three that I would, I would throw out. You mentioned something uh, before about being Oprah's uh, list or something like that. No, no. I said, you know, if you could get your business listed as one oh, of the favorite okay. things. Because I, I, just so you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get Oprah on the, on the show eventually. Oh, so well, good luck with that. If you get her on, please tell her I'd love her to be on my <laughs> podcast too. Yeah, I do. <laughs> So, um, so final question. So I could tee you up for future podcasts and make sure they're they're more valuable for you. If we were going to go back today or and do this over agenda wise, or or if 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 you if if you got an invite to a podcast, a uh, future podcast, and and that that you really wanted to be on it, what what agenda would that be? What would you want to talk about? You know, versus what I asked, what I went over today, and I kind of you know ran the show. What would you, I mean, you do it on your podcast, obviously, but what would you love to be interviewed about? Well, I think I would love to talk about, you know, how I think people should move forward post pandemic. I mean, I think that the pandemic has done a lot to wreck a lot of people's businesses. It's done a lot to make people a lot more creative and innovative though. And I would love to talk more about how people can rebuild from the ashes. Because I think that a lot of people are out here doing that. A lot more people than people realize. It's a lot of restaurants and and you know the dry cleaner in my neighborhood went out of business. There's a whole bunch of Heavy. restaurants that are not there anymore. Businesses that are not there anymore. And so I want to help all of those people rebuild and be stronger and better than ever. That's great. That's great. Well, that, yeah, not, uh, not a better way to finish the, finish the show on a positive note like that. Um, uh, so, hey, Melinda, I want to say again, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, a, a true honor. I'm glad we got to meet at least virtually. Um, I, I will give you my feedback on the book and um, and I'm hoping we can. Yes, write me an Amazon review, Eric. Don't play me. Help me with my I'll let you write you an Amazon review and then you give me an autograph. How about that? I will happily do that. Um, any, you can find this on salesintersection.com or my YouTube channel or Spotify, Apple podcast, but anything you want to promote or say, Melinda, before we, we drop off here? Well, I'm always able to be found online. All you have to do is Google small biz lady, or you can head over to smallbizladyuniversity.com to find out if I've got a course to help you boost your small business. She's hard to miss. So <laughs> you'll find her whether you like it or not. Um, well, it's been a pleasure. I really enjoyed the time. Hope you found the time valuable and um, and enjoy the uh, the rest of your day. Okay. All right. Thanks so much, dear. Okay. Bye bye. Okay. Bye bye.